from coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening, you're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Terra Informa. If you tuned into our archive episode last week, you probably smiled when you heard Sophia Osborne's voice, a Terra Informa alum who we miss greatly. Well, this week, she's back, along with another Terra Informa pal, Olivia DeBercier. I'm Hannah Cunningham, and I'll be your host for this special Beyond Blathers guest episode. Before we start our episode, we would like to acknowledge that we are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. If you are a settler, like I am here in Amiskwitzi, Wiskaigan, a territorial acknowledgement like this one is the absolute least we can do to recognize and be active in our treaty relationships. While lately there has been a spotlight on the racism and violence occurring in the United States, Canada is also built on a foundation of systemic racism and egregious acts of violence in the name of colonialism that continue to this day. It is our job to recognize that many of us have been privileged by the system, to educate ourselves on the suppression of Black, Indigenous, and people of color in our own communities, to create and protect spaces for those voices to be heard, and to use our privilege to demand change. So while this episode is a lighter-hearted one, it is important to continue to think about these things in our own communities, even as you take a break from the news. The Terra Informa team is currently on a winter break, so when we dug through our archives to find episodes to re-air, we knew that Sophia Osborne's piece on de-extinction needed to be on our list. We aired that piece last week, where Sophia and others talked about the use of things like selective breeding, cloning, and genetic engineering to attempt to bring extinct animals back from the past. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you can find it on our website at terrainforma.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we decided to focus on an animal that, thankfully, is still with us here on Earth. And when it comes to insects, fish, and fossils, especially those found in the world of Nintendo's Animal Crossing New Horizons world. Who better to call than the Beyond Blathers team? Sophia is back this week with her co-producer and co-host Olivia DeBercier, who is also a Terranforma alum. The two of them were nice enough to let us air another one of their podcast episodes. So now I'll hand it over to the Beyond Blathers team to teach us about the scorpion. Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And this week, in honor of Halloween, we're going to be telling you all about the scorpion. This is like somehow the darkest part of Animal Crossing when you get stung by a scorpion and you just like black out. I think the first time that happened, I actually screamed because I didn't know what was happening and something was chasing me on the ground. (laughs) I think I did too. Like the reason I love Animal Crossing is because like you don't have to fight anything and nothing bad happens to you. But the scorpion is just here to like mess up my day. Yeah, I'm really bad at any sort of fighting in video games so me too (laughs) feel a little upset by it but yeah so 
we're we're excited to talk about this but before we do we just wanted to remind you about the giveaway we're doing so you can win a pack of all five of our sticker designs from our merch store plus an exclusive beyond blathers logo pin so to enter this giveaway just rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and then just send us a screenshot of the review on Instagram or Twitter at Beyond Blathers or email it to us at beyondblathers at gmail.com. All you have to do is compliment us. So easy. <laughs> and uh, we'll be drawing the winner on November 4th. Honestly, <laughs> reviews help a lot with moving up in the charts and making sure more people see the podcast. So yeah, we we'd really, really appreciate it any more reviews we can get <laughs> and we do love the validation and compliments yeah they're they're like a like a super like in podcast world they, they boost us up okay so without further ado let's talk about the scorpion so if you bring a scorpion to blathers he'll say the scorpion how should i put this those legs those pincers that tail and that venomous stinger It's as if someone took the most awful insect parts and put them together to make the scorpion. All scorpions are venomous, you know, though I understand that only a few kinds are truly deadly. I fear I might die just thinking about it. Oh, dear. That's so funny. I feel like it is very fitting for Halloween because Blathers is kind of describing them as like a Frankenstein's monster. That's so true. Like, I don't know. I mean, insects? Are they insects or like, are they spiders? Are they like crabs randomly or something? (laughs) I don't know. You're not far off, but okay. So they're definitely kind of a weird in-between creature. Scorpions are arachnids. So they are arachnids along spiders and mites and apparently now horseshoe crabs, which is news to me. But anyway, that's another story. (laughs) And there are a couple other creature groups, I guess, in that group of arachnids that share the scorpion name, including whip scorpions and pseudoscorpions. Both of which look like a little like scorpions, like their body is a bit scorpion-like and they have pincers, but they don't have that tail. And in the case of whip scorpions, they have like like long, almost like whiskers coming off their bodies. But today we're just talking about scorpions, which are in the group Scorpiones. And in that group, there's about 2,400 species. So quite a large number of species, although for an arachnid, that's a pretty small number still. With spiders, there's like a gajillion is my scientific term for that. There's a lot. And every year, though, more scorpions are being found. So in general, they're relatively rare for arthropods, which is what we call sort of like bugs. And the smallest ones can be millimeters long. So really, really itty bitty. And then the biggest ones are really big. The biggest one is nine inches long, and it's called the giant forced scorpion, which lives in Southeast Asia. So I'll I'll give you a moment to imagine what nine inches long is. Yeah, that's a bit too long for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But before we talk about scorpions that are alive today, I do want to throw back to some prehistoric days, especially because we're kind of skipping Dino Week this week. So I'll try and mix in some paleo stuff. So they were actually the first terrestrial arthropod predators that we know of today. So 450 million years ago, they showed up and they looked really similar to the scorpions we find today. So for time reference, 65 million years ago is when dinos went extinct. So the ancestor of the scorpions existed way further away from the T-Rex than the age of the T-Rex is to us. So if you think of that on a time scale, like this was a really long time ago. I don't know if that's a helpful description, but 
Yeah, so some of these scorpion ancient ancestors were just under a meter long, which is massive. And these were probably really important predators in the late Devonian and the Carboniferous periods. So back when the bugs were really big, we talked about this before, these really massive insects or, or arthropods, I guess, were that big largely due to the amount of oxygen in the atmosphere that no longer is at the same levels today. So they got smaller with less oxygen. No meter long scorpions. Now yeah, we're good. Nowadays, you can find scorpions all over the world. You can find them pretty much everywhere except the Arctic and the Antarctic, as well as a lot of the boreal forests. So most of Canada actually doesn't have them, as well as a few mountaintops and some islands here and there. But in general, scorpions are very well dispersed across the world. They usually you'll find a lot of them in desert type habitats or places that are a bit warmer. But yeah, you can find them in surprising places. Like apparently there's scorpions in Red Deer, Alberta. Didn't know this. So that's pretty cool. And you can find them in the Okanagan too, in British Columbia. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that they were in Canada. But yeah, I mean, obviously when we think of scorpions, we think of venom and that's how they're definitely portrayed in Animal Crossing and could you talk a bit more about their venom and how it works? And Blather said that only some scorpions are deadly. And Yeah, absolutely. So all scorpions do have venom glands, but not all scorpions will hurt you. So that 2,400 species of scorpions, only about 25 of them actually have venom that can hurt a full-grown human. But kind of going back to the actual stinger structure, so there's stingers at the end of their tail and it's kind of like this little teardrop shape. And it's made up of the bulb, which is at the base, and then a hypothermic needle at the very tip. And inside the bulb are glands that excrete that toxin. It's, it's a neurotoxic venom. And it's a bit of like, I like to imagine it like a scary turkey baster where like they have <laughs> muscles in it and it'll just squeeze and push out the neurotoxin. And so that's how they excrete their venom. And of course, it's venom, not poison. If anyone needs a reminder, poison, you eat it and you get sick. Venom, you get stung or poked or something and, and it hurts and it's bad. But yeah, so what, what is that thing that's getting like excreted, that neurotoxin? So the neurotoxin acts to do a couple of things. It affects nerves. And it can either tell them to stop communicating, which causes muscles to spasm or seize up. It can even cause seizures. And or it can tell the nerves to send signals that it shouldn't be sending. So if a predator gets stung, they're going to feel extreme pain, even if the wound itself is just a pinprick. So that's sort of how that venom works. Now, as I mentioned before, not many scorpions are extremely harmful to humans. Less than 50 species are known for having serious incidents with humans, and 25 are the only ones who are known for regularly being able to cause serious harm to a full-grown human. Usually, scorpion stings are more of a concern for people who have pre-existing health conditions or are elderly, that sort of thing. And among those groups of scorpions that can cause serious harm, the deadliest group is called the Boothidae. It's a family of scorpions. So for most scorpions, the venom is more for predation than defense. As I mentioned before, they're predators. And so they're using their venom to incapacitate their prey instead of defense so much, although they will use it for defense, depending on the species, of course. 
Now, mostly their prey are insects and other arachnids, but they are known for eating larger prey like rodents, geckos, that sort of thing. So it's not uncommon. They are pretty opportunistic. Many of them will just sort of sit and wait to hunt, and as something walks by, they'll sting it or grab it or whatnot. Many scorpions also don't use their tail that much. As I mentioned, they have really large pincers, and so some with particularly large pincers will grab their prey and eat it that way. They don't really need to use their tail too much, and those typically don't have very powerful venom. However, there are also scorpions that have pretty long, slender pincers, and those ones might be the ones you might be a little more careful around, because they're going to be using those pincers more to manipulate their prey, and they're going to be using their tail, which has a particularly toxic venom in it, to incapacitate their prey. So you mentioned before that they're mostly using the venom for predation, but sometimes they do use it for defense. Is there anything that's preying on scorpions, or do they kind of know to keep away? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on the species, but they can be preyed upon by, like, birds or larger rodents. Even some bigger arthropods, like centipedes, will sometimes go after them. So that's kind of a crazy thing. But it really depends on the species. Interestingly, one of their predators are meerkats, and meerkats are really cool because they are immune to that neurotoxin, and they know how to specifically hunt scorpions because they know they have to bite off the stinger first. And little baby meerkats will practice this, and they'll have like a little babysitter who's like, here, let me show you how to properly attack a scorpion, and there's really cool videos on it. I highly recommend. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean... For people who aren't like you or I and live in actual places where there are scorpions and that's an actual concern, do you have any safety tips for people? Yeah, in general, I mean, unless you know what you're doing, just maybe don't mess with scorpions. Like, don't pick them up or <laughs> poke them or whatever, which I'm not sure how many of you would be doing anyway, but it's worth mentioning. Also, just a good rule for nature, just don't stick your hands under rocks or in crevices in nature, you never know what's in there. And scorpions are nocturnal, so especially during the day when we're walking around, they're hiding. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be messed with. So yeah, just, just avoid that in general. Kind of an interesting tangent. I feel like it's not really our instinct to be sticking our hand in mysterious dark crevices in nature. And I remember like back when I was at the zoo, we used to build like animal enrichments for the lemurs, which were like toys for them and puzzles for them to solve. And I made this like, it was kind of like a, like a funky advent calendar with lots of like little holes and tubes sticking out that I, I put their favorite snacks craisins in. And they would like open the little windows and stuff to grab the snacks. And I remember there was like a little paper towel tube that I'd put in there. And at the bottom, there were a whole bunch of craisins. So I thought they'd stick their arm in and they like hated it. They would not do it. They kept staring at the craisins, but they, they would not put their hand in. And I was like, interesting behavior fact. They won't do that because they're smart. They don't know. Maybe there's a scorpion in there. I don't know if that's what they were thinking, but I just remember that as being kind of interesting. I also love that I now know that Lemur's favorite snack is craisins. Oh, they love craisins. Oh my gosh. They'll, like, lick your fingers clean if you feed them a craisin. They love them that much. They're like, oh. You've had lemurs lick your fingers? Yes. Oh, my it's, God. I'm so it, jealous. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think that was, I remember it happening and being like, 
nothing will ever get better. This is the peak <laughs> of my life. <laughs> You're an uh, actual Kratz brother now. Oh, the dream. That's so cool. And also, a safety tip around scorpions in Animal Crossing is if you want to avoid scorpions, just like try not to run around at night with your butterfly net. Just avoid that. Just stay inside. (laughs) Yeah, well, if you don't have the net, I don't think that they attack you. But if you do, then... Yeah, I think so. I mean, feel free to like cancel me if i'm wrong but no i've i have no idea i still haven't caught one yeah i haven't either i just avoid them i'm like it's fine if my museum never gets completed because (laughs) i i don't want to like pass out nah they become my white whale but people do a lot of interesting things to kind of trap them and because if you (laughs) because if you can like trap them against like a rock or like a ledge or something like an incline or whatever then sometimes they like won't be able to come at you but you can still catch them so oh. people are very clever about it but i'm i'm too scared but i think i think it's cool those are the people who are good at fighting video games <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> if you're just tuning in you're listening to an episode of beyond blathers being aired by terra informa which is a production of CGSR 88.5 FM made in so-called Edmonton, Alberta. Beyond Blathers is a podcast about the insects, fish, and fossils of the Animal Crossing New Horizons world. It is co-produced and co-hosted by Sophia Osborne and Olivia DeBersier. This week, we are airing the Beyond Blathers episode about scorpions. Let's get back into it. Okay, so, well, I know you did a lot of research into scorpions, and there's like a lot of cool stuff is there like a coolest thing that you learned about them i was fascinated by their mating habits they're far more complex than i was expecting and these are like super amazonian female scorpions they're just impressive overall and so let me describe this mating strategy to you and i want to paint an image of like a romantic movie where the two scorpions see each other from across the crowded forest floor but rather than see each other they're feeling the vibrations of each other through like little fibers on their legs so they just like feel each other's energy which is so much more romantic and then (laughs) the boy scorpion grabs the girl's pincers and they dance they dance it's so cute and it has a great name it's called the promenade at deux that's amazing (laughs) it's amazing and they will dance for minutes hours or even days so they could just be like booging down for literal days usually though it's only like 30 minutes to an hour but still and some will even like (laughs) while they're dancing they'll like kiss by putting their mouth parts together (laughs) and sometimes the males will even like sting the female and they don't really know why they do that But I don't know, maybe they're into it. It's just, it's possible that they're inserting pheromones, but. How do I find a romance like this? Like this, this is beautiful. So unexpected. And scorpions, you know, they don't care about outward appearances. They're so beyond that. They just want to know if you can dance. It's like happy feet, but with scorpions. I would pay to watch that movie. I would too. Happy feet makes me cry. I don't know why get so emotional those penguins yeah but during the dance the male will deposit a spermatophore which is like a little baggy little to-go pack of sperm and he'll put it on the ground and then they'll dance the female over towards it and then she'll like collect it and store it for future use 
and they have like a crazy long gestation period for the babies. It can be seven to nine months and some of, some of them will gestate for over a year. So very, very long pregnancy. And they can have multiple broods from a single spermatophore, so a single mating period. They can like collect that little baggie and they can have five to seven broods after, after that, which is so cool. And then the wildest part about all of this to me is that scorpions give birth to live young. They give birth to live young. So they'll like pop out between two to maybe 150 babies, just <laughs> casually. And the baby scorpions will like come out in like a little Ziploc baggy amniotic sack, which they break out of. And then they crawl onto the mom's back and mom carries them around for a little while. Wow. So they have live babies and they gestate them for sometimes longer than humans do. Yeah. Yeah. That's they're basically crazy. mammals, right? <laughs> wow. They're even more of like Frankensteinian than... <laughs> yeah. Blather said. Didn't know the first part of it, which is when they're born. Like their their embryos are directly connected to the mom, so they're not even like an eggs or something inside. It really is like that that viviparous birth. Yeah, generally though, like depending on the species, they'll have more or less babies. Usually they have like 15 to 50, kind of if you take an average of all the species. Wow. And what do the babies look like? Are they cute? They're like, they're cuter than the adults. <laughs> That's not really saying much. They're like a little, you know, that like grubby whitish color. They're, they're that. They don't look like the adults yet. This is called their first instar phase. So yeah, they're just kind of a beigey white. And they'll stay on their mom's backs there for like five to 30 days, depending on the species again. And then they'll start coming off and eventually molt. And they'll start looking a bit more like adult scorpions. And sometimes they'll disperse after that and, you know, go live their scorpion lives. But others will, like, stay around their mom for their whole life. So there'll be a whole bunch of scorpions all hanging out together. And then after all of that, sometimes these female scorpions, they don't, they'll skip the whole mating dance. They'll skip all of that. And they will just pop out babies on their own through parthenogenesis, which is basically cloning themselves. And they're all females that come out of the female because they're clones. They're genetically exactly the same. And that's another way that some scorpions can reproduce, which is pretty amazing and handy. And in the end, all of these little juveniles, they can live between four to 25 years, depending on the species. It, it is beyond me that some species of scorpion could live that long. That's so unusual for an insect, right? Or an arthropod. It's it's really strange. Although last episode, I was also shocked about the hermit crabs living that long. Like hermit crabs can live, what did we say? I already forgot our facts. It was like long. It was like a long time. <laughs> it was decades. And, and I feel like I'm consistently surprised by how long non-mammals can live. Like I'm starting to look at mammals and be like, why do you die immediately? Like, what's going on? You make so few babies and then you die so quickly. Why can't you be like a scorpion and live 25 years? That's like a quarter of a century for one generation yeah. of scorpion. And so how are they doing conservation-wise? Like, we like to talk about that. Should we be concerned about them or...? In general, a lot of them are doing fine. Some of them are considered pests in some places, but... A lot of scorpions have very specific habitat needs. And so if there's a disturbance in that habitat, that can threaten them. 
There's also a problem with emperor scorpions being traded for the pet trade. Emperor scorpions are those sort of very classic big scorpions. They're very dark in color. Uh, they look really scary with big claws. And so sometimes they're, they're taken from the wild in extreme numbers and that can become a problem. So if you're gonna get a scorpion as a pet, which some people do, lots of people do, make sure it's, it's a bred scorpion and not one that was taken from the wild. So always like to recommend that if you're a, if you're a bug keeper. Yeah, I was going to ask about that with the pet trade and also with just, I feel like it's pretty common to, you know, some places like eating scorpions or having scorpions in like bottles of alcohol and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I feel like they're kind of seen as a touristy thing in some places. Yeah, in a lot of places, it's like a normal part of the culture to eat scorpions. I mean, I always think of like eating arthropods as kind of like eating crab. In a lot of places, they'll eat the stinger and all because once you've cooked the stinger, it's not a problem. And anyway, if you ate scorpion venom, your stomach is going to mostly digest those proteins that would otherwise hurt you. But yeah, I'm not sure about like specimen scorpions, whether that would be a bad thing. I think, again, like if they're bred, it's probably not harming the wild population, but um, it's always good to be careful before you buy things that could be harvested from the wild. Just having that in the back of your mind is helpful. Okay, well, thank you so much. That was such an interesting episode. I'm really glad that we finally did the scorpion. Yeah, it's such a it's such a fascinating. I didn't think again, I didn't think this one would be that interesting until I start looking into it. I'm like, these animals are so cool. I do want to mention I got a little bit of this information from a really good episode of Ologies. Uh, if you haven't checked out that science podcast, it's with Ali Ward and it's very good. That particular episode was with Lauren Esposito, who is a scorpion expert. So if you want more scorpions, go over there. Yeah, definitely check it out. And thanks everyone so much for listening. If you're a new listener, don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Beyond Blathers on Instagram and Twitter for updates. And we also have a merch store where you can buy insect, fish, and paleo stickers and postcards, and also a really cool Atlas Moth pin. And we only have a few of them left, so I would definitely check it out. So yeah, just go to beyondblathers.square.site. Yes, and don't forget to enter our giveaway. Just leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast and send us a screenshot on Instagram or Twitter at Beyond Blathers or to our email beyondblathers at gmail.com. Great. So tune in next week to learn more about insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye. Bye. I'm recording this because I realized after Sophia and I left the call that I forgot to talk about the fact that scorpions also glow. And I think that's really important. I just wanted you to know that. So this is an aside of me alone in my bedroom, remembering the glowy wonderfulness of scorpions. They don't really know why they do this. Apparently it's um, something about the structure in their exoskeleton that makes them glow under UV light. But it's possible that they do this either as a defense. So basically, it's kind of like a warning color to predators being like, don't eat me, I'm t- gonna sting ya. So maybe it's that. Maybe they're trying to attract prey by being UV fluorescent. Uh, a lot of animals that are not us can see in the UV light spectrum. 
And other scientists are like, maybe they were just born that way. That's just how their body reflects and absorbs light. Who knows? Well, hopefully someone at some point will know. Anyway, aside over. That was an episode of Beyond Blathers, a podcast about the insects, fish, and fossils of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Beyond Blathers is co-produced and co-hosted by Sophia Osborne and Olivia Bercier, who are both past Terra Informers. For more episodes of Beyond Blathers, you can find them at their website, beyondblathers.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all the time we have for this week. I've been your host, Hannah Cunningham. Thanks for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. We are currently on a winter break, but we'll be playing archive episodes for the next couple of weeks, but you can look forward to new episodes starting in February. You can reach us for comments or questions via email at terra at cjsr.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa. Terra Informa.